Welcome to today's episode on Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jake Hirschman, here with Mitch Pohl, the National Women's Soccer League Chief Revenue Officer. And the NWSL, fairly new in the last decade. Um, we're going to talk to Mitch a little bit about uh, his journey there so far. Pretty new. Um, there's quite a few uh, amount of revenue streams that we can uh, hit on in terms of some education as to how do you go about, you know, continuing to build upon what's what's already being built, um, but to kind of build something from the ground up, expand with new teams. Uh, we'll dive into maybe a little bit of his time with the Supersonics um, and then go from there. So Mitch, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jake. It's uh, it's great to be here. It always brings a smile to my face anytime I can talk about the Supersonics, believe me. Well, let's just start there because yeah. that was one of your earlier roles. Uh, we yeah. we won't we won't dive into the UCLA days. Um, we'll we'll start with the Supersonics and just talk a little bit about what that did for your start in the industry uh, and what that experience was like. Uh, it it was a great place to be. It was um, you know the Sonics at the time were family owned, um, and the family managed and and ran the team on a daily basis. So um, there was a real camaraderie to it. It, it it showed me that sports uh, was really where I wanted to be. And um, there was nothing like being in your 20s with a bunch of other people in their 20s uh, going to 41 games a year. And um, we, we put up an arena when I was there, which uh, has now been demolished and, and redone. Um, but at the time was really exciting to, to work on a new building and, and open a building. And I was lucky to be there too with the glory days with, you know, uh, Sean Kemp, Gary Payton, Detlef Schramp, all these guys. So we were winning. It was fun. Um, and it taught me, you know, kind of core core business. We were out there scraping for dollars on the local level and um, just great experience all around, really all around. Some friendships that I still have, you know, to this day, many, many years later. Absolutely. And being a part of one of those processes where you can build an arena and, and kind of be part of that opening, right, is something that not a lot of people get to do. Uh, it's kind of, you, you get lucky in a sense of being in that place and that opportunity during that time, uh, whereas someone else might come after, right, the fact. Um, Absolutely. It was, um, you know, good fortune to be there. And, and, and it's funny, you know, everything gets better, right, in, in every cycle. But um, I look back at, at the building, it was, and it was a really well done building. Um, I, I don't want to... Um, Give the impression that it wasn't but it was interesting you know we were halfway through and we realized hey we've got these like open spaces where uh because of the design what are we going to do with and so that was one of the you know fun things we sat around a table and said what can we do and um i ended up getting to to lead a project where we put in a a wine bar with a local winery on one end and you know a, a coffee and dessert bar with one of the coffee partners in the market with which there were obviously many and so i became a, a general contractor in an arena for a short period of time so it's just these these kinds of random things that that through your life happen that you look back on and go wow i was incredibly lucky to be part of, of doing that yeah well we'll come back to a couple of your experiences with nfl and the usoc learfield img college but i do quickly kind of want to pivot to nwsl and you know, you're expanding from 10 to 12 teams, there's new opportunities, you know, you mentioned kind of their spaces, right, and, and thinking of creative ways. And, um, you know, we had Jessica Smith on from from Angel City, and they're going to be some really neat partnerships for them to launch as, as they, um, you know, bring their team into into the world of the league. 
but how do you go about creating those you know revenue streams now uh, with bringing a new team in after having learned what the others um, in front of them have done yeah it's um it's a great question i mean right now we're I've been here, you know, all of two months, so I won't profess to be the expert necessarily on the NWSL business in the past. Um, we have great ownership in great markets now. Um, Kansas City coming on, and you mentioned we've, we've got in Louisville this year, and then LA and, and Sacramento next year. Um, and that infusion of energy is contagious on all our business calls. And so, you know, for me, I'm doing a lot of listening right now, both in the league and out in terms of what people are doing in the market for revenue. Um, it's obviously been a challenging year. So there's been a lot of, um, of new ideas out there. There's a lot of digital and social plays. There's a lot of virtual opportunities. Um, and so we're trying to kind of take all that in and figure out what the best strategy for us is going forward. Uh, I'm lucky I came into this chair and it was warm because, uh, Lisa Barrett had done such a great job during the pandemic before I joined. I'm watching all these deals get done and it was quite amazing uh, the momentum that she's built for the league. So uh, we're going to use that and we're going to try to be as smart and strategic as we can to figure out where the, the next revenue source will be. Well, the, you had the, the recent draft. That was pretty exciting, right? Obviously, there's a lot, a lot moving forward in terms of the league, but for our listeners and those who maybe just don't know as much about the NWSL, are there any nuances to the league that maybe are a little bit different than some of the other um, entities uh, around the world of sports? Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I think one of the biggest differences is just sort of the um, the spirit and the purpose of the league and, and the um, passion that people have for what we're trying to do. I, I joined in part because Lisa and I had worked at the USOC together and what I loved about that was the sense of purpose. So we were um, selling partnerships and, and creating activations and everything else, but we were there to serve the athletes um, and to get those athletes to the Olympic Games and the Paralympic Games. And I feel similarly here. We're, we're trying to build the profile for women's sports and women athletes. Um, you know, we have the elite women's athletes in the world, you know, playing in our league. And, you know, the, the concepts of, equity in the media and pay equity and all of that is really important to anyone who's at the league and um, in partnership with the players and the owners, you know, we want to elevate, um, we want to elevate these women to where they belong and we want to be able to set an example. And I, you know, yesterday's inauguration is a great um, mirror for society when this morning, when there were so many stories about, young girls who could see themselves now in our vice president. And I, I feel that way for our athletes. And, you know, um, taking this job, it was really great to sit down with my daughter, who's an athlete, and talk to her about why I was taking it and what I was hoping to do in the league. And so I hope that, you know, we can look back and this group of people can leave a legacy that not just we sustain the league or improve the league the way you might talk about a typical property, but that we actually left a mark kind of on the broader you know, sports society here. And that's a lot of words and big talk and everything else, but you know, it's, it's the passion everybody has, I think for why they're here working in this league. Well, and, and the league is owned by the teams, right? So it's kind of a, a different, different way of going about it a little bit. 
Yeah, I mean, listen, we're we're all in partnership together. We 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 need each other. It's um, the teams need each other. The, the league needs to be healthy and strong to to manage. And so, uh, we're all pulling on the same rope, which is really nice. And from a revenue perspective, you know, you mentioned equality and and trying to tell the right stories, right? With whether it be you know the extra opportunities post-college for female student athletes, right? There's always been kind of this disparity of, well, you know, the female student athletes go and work because there aren't that many opportunities. And then the male student athletes are trying to go pro in their sport, but it's starting, you know, the table starting to flip a a little bit, especially with, you know, what's been created with the NWSL, the expansion, again, more teams, more opportunities, the draft, more players, et cetera, so that they can, look towards those types of, um, you know, career uh, storylines, right? Absolutely. Listen, more, more opportunity, um, more coverage by the media um, will beget more sponsorship, which will beget larger leagues, which gives more opportunity for women to play and earn a living. And, and that's a big thing too, right, Jake, is like, these women have to earn a living. It's not just they, oh, they get to play, but we need to be able to pay our professional athletes a fair, a fair wage. And that's important. And so the more we can grow the business, um, the more we can sort of take steps towards those goals. Um, and so we're, we're hopeful, we're optimistic. I think the, the corporate community has been really responsive. I mean, in, in the time I've been here, um, everybody's interested in talking and is excited about what we're doing. And, you know, we now have to translate that into action and partnership. Um, but it's, it's been a really good start and a, and a nice reception thus far. From a, a fan base perspective, you know, your first assumption is that the, the females are going to watch the female players because they're tracking them right through college or and then onto the pros or maybe the U.S. women's soccer team and kind of around that community. Are there revenue opportunities that are kind of just sitting out there to grab as opposed to, um, you know, for, for different brands that want to, you know, be involved for a different reason other than maybe going and sponsoring the NFL or, or another league. Yeah. Listen, I think the fan base is certainly um, a little different. We, we um, for sure skew female, we have lots of male fans. And I think the last um, statistic I saw was 80 plus percent percent of sports fans uh, are fans of women's sports as well. So you're not talking about a radically different world, but I think being a, um, a women's sports league with, uh, with women, you know, female leadership, we have opportunities perhaps that are different, certainly than, than the NFL for lots of other reasons too, beyond gender. Um, I wish I could tell you there's just revenue opportunities sitting out there that I haven't picked up yet. You know, uh, if anybody's listening and they know of any, they can call me. Um, so, we, you know, we still have to be out there and grind and work hard. But um, there's certainly doors, I think, that are open to our league that may not be to your traditional big four. No, that's great. And, and the insight around, you know, the fan base is a fan base can grow to whatever it can be. Right. I mean, there's no there's no limits on you know, the, the fan insights and, um, you know, what kind of communities you can build around the teams in the various cities that you've gone to, um, you know, interesting insight, right? What's behind maybe going to California, right, for uh, these two expansion teams as opposed to other locations? 
Um, you know, I, I think there's um, all the traditional elements that you look at for a franchise is, is the market strong? Can it, um, can you build a fan base there? Are they soccer fans? Um, uh, you know, when you look at our geography going West makes a lot of sense. Um, and then you, and then you look for who's going to lead ownership groups, right. And, and who could you do business with? And, you know, in, in Angel City, you've got a remarkable, I mean, I can't list them all. We don't have enough time, right. Of, of the, the people, prominent people involved in that. And, um, Alexis and, and Julie Herman have been forefront with us, working with us. Um, Jess Smith, who you mentioned you'd had on before they brought in on the sponsorship side. I mean, the team is just phenomenal. And so we knew that working with them would be a success and it brings in a huge market um, that's proven to be a soccer market. We also hope that by bringing them in, we can grow our Hispanic fan base as well, um, obviously given the market. And then Sacramento, you know, we're incredibly excited to have announced that just recently. And uh, Matt Alvarez, who's another, you know, California guy, film producer, um, is taking the lead for us there and um, bringing in some real expertise um, up there and it's, it's a great soccer market. Um, it's a incredibly, it, it's an unknown large market in California if you're not from the West. You kind of have to be from out there to realize how much Sacramento has grown and is kind of no longer San Francisco's uh, step stepbrother or stepsister. It's, it's a huge market on its own and, and a great city. So we're excited for, for that and to go there. and. Incredibly excited too to, to get Louisville and Kansas City on the field this year. Those franchises have done a remarkable job getting themselves set up to be competitive. And uh, we're excited uh, for both of those to join us this year in 21. I had to ask the question because, you know, you started at the Supersonics. Everyone wants the NBA team back to Seattle, right? It's kind of what makes a good market. And it's always just fascinating to hear. Again, it's nothing earth shattering necessarily, but it's, again, you mentioned kind of is there that community, the ownership, um, all the kind of the different pieces that come together. So with that, I, I, I lead into, you know, you spent obviously some time at the NFL, the USOC, Learfield, and, and there had to have been quite a few learnings that you got along the way through those stops uh, from just all the different components of revenue, right? Whether it's sponsorship, media, licensing, um, you know, different commercial opportunities, What's maybe one lesson you've learned along the way of how revenue is evolving? Um, how it's evolving. Well, I, I think what, um, what we all have realized and getting much better at is um, figuring out how to speak to an individual fan, right? I think um, we always talk about big numbers and we've got this many fans, et cetera, but if you're not able to communicate to those individual fans in a meaningful way, you really lose that opportunity um, to drive revenue from whatever source you're looking at. And I think that as we've all gotten smarter, um, the data helps, um, you know, we're, we're all much more consumed now with figuring out, you know, what's the data behind our fan? Who is that? Who are they? And I think the, that's all great. And then we have to make sure that we take that next step, right? And realize, all right, everybody's an individual. We have to be able to speak to people individually and, and, in, and in a meaningful way. And I think that that's driving, you know, this, this rush to original content because it lets you speak to your fan um, in non-conventional ways and more often. And so I think, again, that just that one-on-one -on -one connection is probably where the business has changed the most since I started, where 
we were selling these mass audiences of, you know, a big sign and a radio ad and a TV ad um, and some tickets. Where does the Twitch and, and online, you know, digital world come into play in terms of being able to monetize that? Um, and and you know, obviously you have your CBS side of things from a broadcasting perspective, but there are other ways out there, right? Yeah, and I think, you know, both are meaningful. Obviously, broadcast has... Um, has just solidified their place really in terms of the, the mass scale um, that you need uh, for, for revenue generation, for credibility, for reach. Um, and that hasn't really changed despite all the um, streaming opportunities and the OTTs and everything else. And then for us, the partnership with Twitch is just sort of next level. It, it's taking us deeper. It's exposing us, frankly, on their channels to audiences that we may not have, have reached and it lets us put more content out there. So as we talked about, just more opportunities for fans to engage. And then they've got, you know, the really cool option where you can talk to the community, right? They built the community. So you're watching and talking to people, which is, I'll tell you in the last year, how much have we needed that, right? Where you can't physically go to a place and sit next to a stranger and talk about the game. Here you are in that Twitch world. And they're also sending us you know, internationally, which is phenomenal. So um, they've, they've been equally as important and both CBS and Twitch have been um, great partners. Um, and in my two months here, they've really been welcoming as well. And I hope we continue to work together for a long time. What's one, you know, you, you spent quite a few years in Colorado Springs at, at the Olympics, um, you know, from, from just how they operate and what they do there. You mentioned purpose earlier in the episode. Yeah. Um, what's something you learned there that you've been able to kind of take along each step of your journey from a purpose perspective? You know, um, I like that question a lot because it, it lets me um, speak to the heart really of, of what we all do, which is I got a um, up close look at the passion and dedication it takes to be an athlete, but also just to succeed in anything you're doing at the highest level. Um, we had a lot of uh, athletes that we'd work with who were in smaller sports from, I spent a lot of time with biathletes and bobsledders as examples. These guys were doing what they loved and they knew there was little to no chance they were gonna make a decent living at this. And if by chance they won a medal, they may be able to cash in for a few years and, uh, and pay back some loans. And, uh, and that was about it. And, and just watching their, their attitudes and their dedication and their love for what they did every day really kind of refueled me and made me realize why I love our industry and what's great about it. And, um, you know, on days where I'm just dragging, I kind of think of some of those folks that I was lucky enough to work with and support. Um, and it picks me up. How do you take that approach, that mindset, and then flip it to your area, right? Where it's, yeah. it's business minded. You're not, you know, yeah. dropping weights in the weight room or right. running sprints or anything. I mean, how, how do you implement it? Yeah. Well, you know, I try to do some curls while I'm on video calls, <laughs> just, but uh, no, you know, it's, um, it, it's understanding why what we do is important, right? We're like the, the, um, trying not to overspeak, but we're, we're the fuel that goes in the engine, right? We, we have to support um, these guys' efforts because 
it takes money to run this stuff, right? And then the other piece is we can be the connection to the fans. So fans want to feel that passion. Um, and we're, we, we provide that opportunity for fans to engage and be passionate about their team or their players or their sport. And, you know, one of my, going back to the Supersonics, one of the times where I realized why I really loved what we did is, you know, I was lucky enough because we worked games that we'd be there super early, right? And players might be, you know, warming up or shooting around and vendors were getting set up and then people would start to trickle in. And then sometime around the first quarter, you know, I would typically be in, in one of the, the tunnels and watching the game and then something would happen and you'd hear this roar and feel the actual energy, which I miss so much with this pandemic, but the energy of people in a building caring about one thing, coming together. And I think that's, that, that's what we're doing, right? We're, we're an empty building and we're trying to fill it. And we're providing that opportunity on the business side. So you kind of got to just feel that passion on the business side and, and take it with you every day. What's your biggest passion of business, right? So, so you have, you have the passion you just mentioned in terms of, you know, what, what it all goes into, but yeah. I sometimes talk, you know, with other colleagues, it's like, you gotta be passionate about business too. Yeah. I mean, there's a business component that, you got to either really like sales or you got to really like, yeah. you know, branding and content or whatever the case, whatever it is for you. Right. Yeah. What is that for you? Agreed. With me, it's, um, this is going to sound trite. So um, I'm going to caveat it with that. It's, it's people. Like I love the relationships that I've made over time be, that, that the sports world has enabled me to make. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier, I still have, um, multiple really good friends that I talk to consistently from the Sonics. Um, I probably have more friends from there than I do even from college. Um, and, and then, you know, the partners, the sponsors that I'll be in touch with forever, even if we never do business again. Um, it, it's, it's unique, I think, because we have these bonding agents of games and events and, you know, long nights where you work together with people um, sponsors and otherwise. And, and so for, for me, that's really what, you know, keeps me going and, and is most exciting. No, that's great. I think, you know, oftentimes people that are trying to get into the business or they're trying to move up, they'll look at, they'll look at people like yourself, right. That, that are up at the top, you know, echelon and, and go, you know, what drives them or how did they get there? Or what do they enjoy about what they do? Um, yeah. And, and the answer is usually different, right? Across the board. Yeah. No, I, listen, I, I, there was, um, this was a great learning when I was at the NFL. Uh, there was a guy who worked there, gave me this, this tidbit. We, we always get so many calls, especially there about, Hey, I really want to break in the business. Will you spend some time with me? And you always love to try to connect with people and, and help. Cause that's the only way, you know, you got where you are as well. And, but this guy said, listen, the people who are coming and they tell you they're passionate about football or they love the NFL, you got to tell them. They got to be passionate about something specific. And exactly your point, Jake, is are you a lawyer or an accountant or a salesperson or a community or affairs person? Like, love that and be lucky enough to do it in sports. Um, and I think that's important. Um, you can't just Loving sports isn't enough. There, there are so many of us that do that who may not ever be fortunate enough to work in the business. That's right. No, I think you couldn't have said that any better. And, you know, that's why, uh, you know, as sports betting evolved, right? If you want to be that fan, 
it's there for you. You can watch as many, you know, as many games as you want. Um, not saying that's a viable career. We're, we're not putting that out there, but, um, you know, let's, let's wrap up with rapid fire. I, I enjoy this, you know, part where, um, look, we're all, as you mentioned, people, right. You develop the relationships. We all have, um, you know, different, uh, passions that we enjoy. You, you're living in, in New York right now. And, uh, my, my family's from that area. There's two places there, Sal's, which Bryson DeChambeau went to after he won, uh, the U S open, uh, fun fact. And then Walters, which has been there since 1929, I think, or 28, something like that. Yeah. Which one's better? I'm, I'm going to go for option three, Dodger dogs. Oh, LA, <laughs> LA, the other side of the country. That's right. There's just something ingrained wherever you grew up. There's, there's a piece of you that never leaves. So I, uh, I won't denigrate the other two, but I'm going to go with Dodger dogs. Well, you know, I think given that Fred uh, is one of the, the co-hosts of the podcast, I think he'll appreciate that one. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm sure he's had many Dodger dogs in his time as well. Um, as you think about the Olympics, you mentioned, you know, the bobsledders, what's one sport that you were just fascinated by and you wish you could have been an Olympic athlete in? Well, the only one I, you know, that everybody thinks they could be, I'd say curling. Um, you know, when, when, uh, when they won, it was just such an incredible experience. And literally everybody thinks, you know, you can have a beer and a cigar while you're doing that sport. So it's easy. And we took a bunch of sponsors out with those guys after uh, when they came back. And I got to tell you how hard curling is when you do it right. You, the, the, the sliding, your entire core is seizing up and you just want to <laughs> curl up. You literally want to curl up on the ice and stop. And uh, took my family with me and we've got, we've got some great video of people slipping and sliding all over. That, that sport is hard, but that would be a fun one to, to be a part of. That's awesome. Uh, we, you know, when you mentioned bobsledding, I just immediately went to cool runnings and was like, well, I mean, you kind of learn from cool runnings how hard it would be to bobsled, but there is no curling movie that I know of. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we, now we have, a, we have a new revenue opportunity. There, there you go. There you go. That's how, that's how the ideas come about. That's right. Uh, UCLA, right? The Bruins. Um, I immediately, one person comes to mind, but is there a favorite Bruin of all time? Oh, that's so hard. Number one public university in America, by the way. Um, you know, I, when I grew up, uh, I will age myself badly so you can edit this part out. Um, the games were on tape delay. So I would go to bed early, like right after dinner, and my dad would wake me up at 11 o'clock and we'd watch the games together. Um, and so I, I got to go old school. I would go with, uh, with Kareem. And then I was in school uh, for a time with Reggie Miller. So I'd, I'd have to go with those, those two guys. But the, the list is, is somewhat ridiculous, especially once you, you bring in Olympic sports, I mean, and, and political figures. I mean, it's, uh, I don't know how or why they let me in. Um, but I, I'm very proud that, that uh, I, I made it through there. <laughs> well, hey, you know, uh, there's that guy, speaking of hoops, uh, Wooden, right? Wooden? Yeah. 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 He wasn't too bad, right? He was all right. I got uh, the, the pyramid of success is on both kids' walls. 
There you go. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Um, Last question for you. You know, as you think about um, soccer, what the NWSL can become, you know, five, 10, 15, 20 years from now, um, what's your, what's your dream for what the NWSL can get to? I would like us to um, go beyond soccer and be the premium uh, sports entity for women globally. I want I want us to be the icon. Other leagues, sports, look at and say that's how we should operate, and that's the opportunity for for women athletes. Powerful. We'll listen back to this in 10, 15 years. I'm sure, uh, I'm sure, you'll, I'm sure you'll be right. I'm sure you'll yeah, be. Right. Well, it's f- fingers crossed. A lot of hard work uh, to come, but. Uh, Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it, Jack. It's good to talk to you. Absolutely.